it would be great if you, people think agriculture isn't a special thing, or we would like to make the world that、um, agriculture is, is so close to everybody, and then everybody anywhere you can get all the fresh seafood as close as possible to your residence. Welcome to RAS Talk, the podcast on recirculating aquaculture systems and sustainable food production. Brought to you by RASTAC Magazine, the premier publication for recirculating aquaculture systems professionals. This episode is sponsored by OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jean Coden, and I am the editor of Hatchery International and RASTAC Magazine.、Um, we have a Pretty exciting episode today, I think. For those of you who are subscribed to the print issue of Rastech Magazine, you may recognize today's guest from our Fall 2023 cover issue,、um, or rather, it's the Fall 2023 issue, and they are the cover story. Arc Inc. was、um, what I was calling. I think I don't know if I invented this word, but I'm calling it a micro rast system. So today's guest is Yusuke Kurihara, the co-founder and chief science officer of a Japanese startup that is pioneering a closed circulation RAS system that is the size of a regular parking lot. So think of ten square meters. That's basically the footprint of the system that this company has built. And essentially, the idea for the system is to be able to embed these systems, these units, in cities. To help shorten that distance from farm to table or farm to plate, even more, it's really fascinating. And I talked to him quite a lot about the production process or the development process of this unit and sort of the thinking and the philosophy behind this approach to RAS technology. And it's really interesting. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. Please enjoy the RAS Talk podcast with Yusuke Kurihara. Let's get started right away and talk about how the idea for Arc Inc. first came about because it's very unique. I've never heard、um, a similar project like this. Oh, thank you very much. So, um, I um, out pr- prior to um to Arc, I was in uh tech in uh tech industry and um、uh, as I as my previous career and then、uh, have worked for a digital transformation project for offshore salmon farming in Scotland. That's actually where I met with agriculture, uh, back in uh. Was a、uh, five six years ago,、okay. and then、uh, I started to realize、uh, several issues in the fields and the ocean. And the one particular thing was the the lack of like integrated system as one. So I started to、uh, focus on RAS technology. So what is your background training around? You mentioned that you only recently kind of came across the aquaculture industry. Yes, so I started my career as a marketing or creative, and it's a total different field. And then、mm-hmm. I moved on to、um, I wanted to study uh, uh, and learn about technology, so I started to、um, moved up to、uh, one of the Japanese startups.、Uh, they have been dealing with a lot of、uh, Internet of Things,、uh, dealing with a lot of、uh, sensors. Um, in the field and collect the data and integrate and analyze the data to、um, to grow AI、um, in the system, and I started to grow my tech background. And then happily met with aquaculture, and then just、um, being in love with it, and、um, I, I found my passion is there. So I started my own thing as Arc. 
Wow, that's amazing. Um, I can certainly relate to that as someone who, you know, my background is in journalism and aquaculture kind of found me. So how did the industry find you in a way? It was natural to me uh, uh, just a little bit because I grew up in a, a Pacific Ocean side of Japan and I grew up physically in the ocean, just playing with it. So it's it's a natural to me and it's I'm, I'm, um, I've been blessed to, to walk in the ocean, close to the ocean, so... Okay, amazing. So when did you get the idea for this technology, for this company? Yes, so uh, it's been, it's it's in the fourth year for us. Uh, we started our company in 2020. Uh, so that was actually in the, uh, right in the COVID situation. And wow, um, during pandemic, I have spoken with a lot of people, a lot of my friends, and just everybody started to think to move on to the next. And I don't know, just in general, um, people uh, working in the tech tech industry, especially in Japan, started to, you know, think maybe we should go with physical, we should go with um, this and that, because, you know, uh, digital is nice. It's always great, but it's just, um, it's, it's just a way or methodology to, to solve the issue, but it's not actual solution it doesn't always have to be um doesn't always um technology itself the the, the software or the digital world it isn't be the solution so it's always have to be integrated to the the hardware the physical world so we started to step into the physical hardware world which is which is uh interesting and also it's not easy because you know it's it gets a lot of like effects on the you know temperature weather uh, seasons, all the physical conditions. So, but it's it's um it's been a fun journey for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the reason I wanted you to come on to this podcast was because Arc Inc is such the prototype for it was such a unique thing that it it stood out to me because there is this common notion in the RAS industry from what I've experienced that building large scale commercial facilities or sort of how you make these complicated systems uh profitable so that is to say that i've heard so many things about how you know the larger the scale the that's sort of the road to profitability for a lot of these um production systems so but arc inc kind of chose to go the other way what with like a smaller it says um you met in the article for our fall issue the article mentions that it kind of fits in the size of a parking lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. First of all, we, we strongly believe that the mainstream should be the large scale. And, 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 you know, like, because we are talking about feeding a population of nearly 9 billion people, a population soon. And uh, we strongly believe that the mainstream should be the large scale to, to make it profitable. Uh, on, on the other hand, uh, we, we have wondered whether there was a, a, another way to, to form a variety, to, to farm a variety of um, different species in various locations, and anyone can get involved in the aquaculture by unbundling it from the big budget. So it's, it's really um, a simple reason why that we decided to create a, a niche market for ourselves. Um, of of small and decentralized uh, RAS. So um, again, we're not really denying or anything um, to the to the large scale or or giving the alternative. It's just I think 
the, the way we approach is different. And also we st still strongly need to call co-create the industry with with the large scale uh, facilities. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And what I forgot to mention to our listeners at the very top was Arc Inc. was the cover story for our fall 2023 issue. So if you'd like to learn more about um, Arc Inc. as a company, I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, I'll leave a, a link on the landing page of this podcast episode. Uh, but for the listeners um, who don't know about the company, can you give us a little bit of an introduction of what these ARC units are and what do they do? Sure. So um, uh, we are based in Japan. I personally is based in London, UK. And um, we've been in the in the industry for four years now. And then we are a hardware company for Russ. But the uniqueness of our product is simply it's small and decentralized. Whereas the other, uh, most of the other Russ are, are big and um aiming for the large-scale aquaculture. Our first mass production model is called Arc B1, which has been released uh, in March. So it's been in the market for almost uh, seven months now. And we sold uh, eight units already in Japan and uh, planning to uh, supply um, to the rest of the world uh, in the next year. Uh, the uniqueness is the size. Uh, so it's about 10 square meter fits in the uh, parking spot for a car and the water capacity of uh, 7.3 tons and um, purification system and the farming uh, tank are all integrated. And um, we got sensors up and running in the system and you can remotely control the units uh, through, re through your smartphones. And then it's a uh, plug and play. So there's no uh, uh, a hardcore construction needed. So we just um, build our um, units in our, our factory and then just uh, put it on your on the track and bring it over and you can start your own agriculture rest less than um, a day of setting up. So it's very easy, easy entry for basically everybody who hasn't been experienced anything um, in aquaculture. That's very interesting. When did you first develop the prototype for this? And can you tell us a little bit about the development process? Sure. So um, we, we before even establishing the, the company, we have this already idea in our mind. So the issue was to put everything in one container, one unit house. This is not actually a shipping container. It's more like a, a high-end uh, unit house um, to so that, that we can get um, uh, right to keep the, the temperature inside of the unit. So it really started to find a, a good high-quality unit house in the market, then started to plan out our unit and started to design all that. And also we wanted to maximize the water capacity. So we started to calculate all the weights and uh, gravity and everything uh, in the physics. So um, it took us uh, almost one year to have like a first prototype. And then we went up to about five to six prototypes before going for the um, mass production. 
So oh, it took us almost three years to have the to to pass through all the prototyping process, and then we just finally launched our mass production unit this uh this uh spring. Wow, that's really interesting. So you essentially started from the shell of the unit. You you called it the house of the unit, um, and worked backwards and kind of built the system around this shell. Was that right? Yep, exactly. That- Wow, that's very interesting. So during the development process, obviously, we talk a lot about in this podcast about the balance between, you know, managing the fish health in the system, as well as treating the technology itself as its own organism. So in those development stages, what species were you working with? And what sort of, I guess, welfare trials took place while you were in this prototype stage? Sure. So we have been still uh, researching on various species, but uh, what we have been experienced are grouper, white leg shrimp, vanamay shrimp, and kuruma shrimp, uh, which is the um, uh, domestic shrimp uh, species. Uh, um, also, uh, koi, uh, you know, carps. Uh, then what else? Uh, various seaweed that we are testing out. Um, the, there are a lot of more um, from freshwater and also um, saltwater. And one uniqueness about our um, ARC unit is it's convertible to fresh and, and um, saltwater. So basically any kinds of uh, seafood or um, species can be uh, farmed in, in our unit. Are you able to, so are you able to grow something like an Atlantic salmon to harvest size in this unit? Well, um, technically, yes. But the thing is, you know, it's all comes down to the density and the business, the the um, economic okay. reason. So technically you can't, but that you can. But the thing is, you know, it doesn't always have to mean that uh, you can make um, good business out of it. So Right, because... Obviously, they're very big fish. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, um, you mentioned that you've also tried grouper in this system, right? So, how did that go? Uh, grouper is has the actually uh, the best survival rates. Um, so we've been farming grouper in our uh lab for almost uh one point five years now, and then the survival rate is is very good. It's always over ninety five, ninety nine. So. I think it's a good uh, species for uh, land-based aquaculture. And you and you grew them to harvest size, to full size? Yep, yep. Uh, wh- at what size do they come into the unit as? Um, so it depends, but um, we get the uh, baby fish from um, Okinawa Islands, and uh, that came the size of uh, 100 to 150 grams. Then we can grow up to the largest one is over one kilo already. It's one near makes it roughly like ten, uh, eight to ten times bigger in our unit. Very interesting. So it, during these different trials of different species, which species would you say is most profitable or um, I guess most optimal for a unit of this size? Sure. So we have studied shrimp as our main sort of like a species to to farm, but uh, we've been testing out for uh, about four years now, and shrimp isn't always good for us. I mean, I, I think it's a very controversial um, in, in the industry. So um, aside from shrimps, I think grouper is is um, is very good. 
because because of the survival rates and also in Japan the market price is very good. Um, um, so I think Grupa is good. But I was planning to mention this, but our new product is called uh, Refugium. So um, Arc V1 standalone um, can only farm fish, but we have a Refugium unit, which you can grow seaweed inside. And okay. um, this approach is called uh, Integrated uh, Multi-Trophic Aquaculture. It's called uh, IMTA. It's a new thing for uh, RAS and land-based aquaculture. Basically, mm -hmm. you put um, three to four species in the same ecosystem and grow them or farm them at the same time. And that'll have um, a better uh, uh, survival rate and also the, to keep the water quality better. So we have been testing out all that. So we the the really the new thing for us is to find a good combination of what to farm um as a combination. So that's what we've been focusing on. And and that if once we get the the right co uh combination of um farming, um farming in an IMTA then um the the profitability in terms of business and also the survival rates and uh, it's it's really good for humans and good for the um species too so that's what we are uh focusing on at the moment mm, that's very very interesting i'd like to pivot a little bit and talk a little a lot more about the water quality and the water source um i read in the original article that a tank in the arc v1 unit can be about 7.3 tons of water is that right yes how do you plug in a water source and can you talk a little bit about the water recirculation in the unit sure sure the only source that we recommend is from the tap water really so you just put on the horse uh from the tap water and just pump it up from the tap water and and then we have our own recipe for artificial salt water if you would like to uh go for the uh um saltwater fish also for the freshwater fish just basically we filter the tap water and then start from the that water right away uh to start off it's very easy um we don't need a natural seawater um so that that's a part of the reason why we are saying you can put our unit anywhere in the world at least we just uh, need a water supply the fresh water supply from the water tub uh, tap water and for the purification system we have a mechanical and uh, biological purification system um included in the tank in the unit so it circulates the water inside of the world uh, inside and and then um it purifies water for three to four months but um the no3 stays inside of the uh, unit so every two to three weeks we should um change the water for uh 20 to 30 percent it depends on what you're farming uh, and also the water dries up so you just uh, need to add up some water once a week or so so that's how you maintain the water quality inside of the unit okay can you give us a little bit more details about the filtration system what does that look like um, so it's it might be easy if you could uh, look at the magazine and there is a, a oh I just realized we don't have the insider picture uh, on the magazine unfortunately but um, we can the... definitely include the picture um, on our website later on for this episode so if people are curious and want a visual aid we can definitely put that but yeah please go ahead oh yes please and then um, 
um, and also we have a movie um, video clip on our units on our website. So please go and check it out. But uh, okay, just to mention brief, briefly, but in the unit, roughly 20% of purification system is included. So out of 7.3 uh, tons of water, uh, 1.5 tons of water is the is for the purification uh, space. And uh, we have the uh, filter, also biological um, filter, um, plus the protein schema in it. So we can get rid of uh, the major waste from the water, uh, but NO3 stays uh, in the water. Uh, so that's the only thing that we can get rid of in our system. So that's why we just need to uh, change the water every two to three weeks to reduce the amount of uh, NO3 inside of the unit. Right. And and what's the waste management system like? Uh, I know that I've read that there's an automated feeding feeding system that's built into the unit as well. So what where is the solid waste capture? How do you um, main, manage that, maintain that? Oh, yes. So the, the big wastes, we can um, put them on the filter. So the filter will gather all these uh, big wastes. And then um, two to three weeks, we just need to change the filter uh, filtration, the physical uh, filter. And then basically... That's that's the only thing that you need to uh, maintain our purification system. Okay, that's amazing. And where do they get disposed? I don't know if this is a naive question for me, but when you have the that solid waste or the sludge from the water filtration system, how does that get disposed? And to be honest, at the moment we just need to dump as a as a waste. Oh, okay. Yes, but that's why uh, we try to put the um, you know refugium system. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we can purify uh, the wastes uh, by seaweed because, you know, um, CO2 and um, NO2, will, sorry, NO3 will be the, uh, will be a good feed for seaweed. Whereas it's, uh, it's a, it's a bad um, effect on the fish. So mm-hmm. what we are trying to do is pass through the water to our refugium system and the, the seaweed will, consume uh, CO2 and also NO3 and then purifies water and the water comes back to the fish tank with a good amount of um, O2 because, you know, that's how uh, seaweed grow in their own biology. So Okay, so this is sort of the evolution to the new product is that's how you're incorporating the seaweed production. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, very cool. Um, So yeah, automated feeding system. So let's talk about, you mentioned before that this unit can be fully operated through your mobile device. So can you talk a little bit about what the sensor systems look like, the monitoring systems? How do you manage it remotely? Sure. So um. Our unit is automated and uh, controlled from the app called um, Starboard. That's our own application. Uh, runs on the runs as a web application, and you can feed them through the app as you look uh, on the web camera, which has been embedded embedded to our unit. So actually, you can check the uh, the species that you're farming in the in the unit, and then look at them. Uh, when you feed them uh, through the application. So um, it's very easy to control and then um, uh, and water qualities, um, including um, DO, pH, um, NO2, 
these kind of like critical parameters can be monitored uh, by uh, in real time through the apps. And also, if there's anything happens in the in the unit, especially the water quality, you know, once when the when the temperature goes um, extremely high or the DO uh, comes down ex- ex- extremely low, then that's that will uh, the app automatically alerts you, sending out the you know text and calling on your phone. So that you can know that uh, something's happening on your unit so that you can um, immediately take actions to maintain. Oh, wow. That's really fascinating. Um, When it comes to fish health and welfare, again, um, where are the cameras for the stock located? So, So right now I'm assuming that there's fish in the tank, but you've also mentioned, you know, shrimp and seaweed. Um, But yeah, where are the cameras located? And the reason why I'm asking this is... I wondered how you would monitor fish behavior, for example. Sure. So it's um it's actually in in the in the water in in the tank. So you can check the uh fish whether fish is there or not, uh, fish is eating or not. It's right below the the feeding machine. So you can check out uh see if the the feeding machine is properly working or not. And also the the fish is eating the food uh, properly or not, so that's that's where it's uh, located and um, aimed for. Have you encountered at all during your trials any sort of disease outbreaks? Because I know that can be a concern for RAS systems, but also in traditional aquaculture as well. Um, how do you manage disease? Uh, for shrimps, we have been facing a lot of disease, so it's uh it's very difficult to um to not to have the disease. Mm. But other other species, that's why like we strongly recommend fish because they're they're much more stronger, and mm. also um it's a good part of a uh, good reason that you should consider uh closed ras uh is that so you can isolate all the bacteria from uh coming into your your ecosystem right so we haven't encountered big um disease for uh, fish farming but um again for shrimp farming it's it's very um difficult to control the the environment um of the tongue so um we have to be be very um careful um on the uh bacteria or the virus comes into the the unit for shrimps but for the fish once again it's very very um uh, much more easier to manage yeah and absolutely and because the idea for this unit is to be remotely controlled um there's already a level of biosecurity defense there because you're not opening the system up to the elements very often right um i don't think we've actually mentioned yet that um the main power source for these units is solar power right um we it's, it's like you mentioned we want these or the idea for these units is to be able to plop it down anywhere in the city or otherwise and be able to kind of turn it on and let it run, right? So can you talk a little bit about the solar power system and how that works? Sure. So, um, it you know, when you see a product picture, it seems to be that main source um, is the solar panel, but uh, unfortunately, it's it's not. Um, okay. So I wouldn't say this is a fully... Um, uh, it's not fully off-grid. Not fully off-grid. 
Right. Um, okay. Our, our um our view is you know we should be careful on the sustainability and also try to uh reduce the carbon usage as much as we can. That's that's our goal too. But at the same time. Mm. To keep the OPEX and CAPEX as low as possible, that's very important for us to to make the farmers profitable. So right. our priority is to use the uh, robust and reliable technology. And to be honest, if technically we can use solar panel and uh, lithium ion battery to run the whole system, but you know I don't think it's gonna um, especially the lithium ion battery price is too too much and if you we want this uh you need to run fully by solar panel and the battery um i think that the cost of the unit will be uh much higher so oh, we okay. gave up using those so that's uh so so we we use um various um power sources one uh comes from the um actual outlets so mm -hmm. if you have um uh, it's it's a legacy way to be honest but um mm -hmm. it's the uh lowest cost to to farm the uh, to run the system at the moment so it all depends on how you would like to go with the uh energy sources and if you would like to fully off grid tech technically we can do it do it but if you you know it's um it's a balance here that um, if you would like to save your um, energy cost, then there are always other ways to 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 source your energy. But oh, yeah. one thing that I want to emphasize is that uh, we try to um, design our unit um, to to operate as low energy possible. So actually, all you need is a four hundred watt. Uh, per hour which is very very low it's like you're talking about um a, a one tv monitor um energy consuming energy capacity that you are uh, you need to to run to operate the system so that that's that's what we are trying to do here okay and it, it's a very interesting point you make about solar power and solar energy in these units because yeah as you mentioned we there's also the factor of accessibility for rural farmers and the affordability of these units you want to be able to kind of make it as more accessible to those smaller customers essentially right yep. um and I, what i read in the article however was that that the solar power was is meant to not just run the system in terms of like generating electricity for the system but it also it's part of the hot water supply. Is that right? It's so it also helps in the temperature control. Exactly. So uh, warming up uh, the water is is a critical um, cost issue for the farmers, and then uh, that's why like, we decided to use um, a solar heater for the water. And then that actually uh, helps a lot in the system to save up the energy cost because you know warming up cost if you use um electricity to do so it's very in um um inefficient inefficient sorry okay. um yeah to use that so yes we we strongly rely uh on the uh water heating water heating on the uh solar heater okay um well the other thing that i really would love to talk to you about in terms of this unit is and the you know the development of this unit is 
who would you say are your main customers for this technology? We've talked about rural farmers. Uh, I mean, you've already said earlier in this conversation about how you've sold eight units so far. So can you tell us a little bit about the goals you have for this unit and who are they made for? Sure. So we have, um, as I mentioned, we have sold uh, um, uh, uh, units already. And also we have almost about 10 units in our uh back order so we have to manufacture it and 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 then uh and deliver to them as soon as possible uh but the main um uh, customers uh for these technologies are um mainly three um at least in japan um one is the research and academic um institutions where they would like to develop their own um aquaculture technologies Second market is the restaurants uh, and and uh, resort hotels where basically some real estate's um, going on and then they are seeking out other sources of business um, in their um, facility or the land. So those are the two key um, markets that we are looking at uh, domestically. But at the same time in the globe, for the global markets, uh, it seems like the um, a lot of uh, governments, especially in Middle East and Africa, are looking for a good rust solution, um, especially in a smaller and uh, decentralized uh, model. Um, so we have uh, we have been receiving a lot of um, um, attentions and queries from those markets in the globe. So really, like what we are trying to do here is um, is a spread the aquaculture and and um it'll be great if you, people think aquaculture isn't a special thing or it just we we like to make the world that um aquaculture is, is so close to everybody and then everybody anywhere you can get all the fresh uh, fresh fresh um seafood um um as close as possible to your uh to your residence so that's exactly what we would like to see and and to make that happen we started our own sushi restaurant in london just uh a month ago to, oh, wow. to Interesting. Farm, uh, yes farmed fish um in london so that's a part of our um goal really to to supply uh good fresh um sustainable fish to to the to the consumers in in the in the in the cities so Okay, so is this new restaurant, does it have its own ARC system as well? Um, fortunately, not yet, but it's coming up soon. But okay. uh, we have started our uh, restaurant so that we have our own demand side, right? right? Because usually, you know, if you started farming fish, everybody started to think, where do I sell our product, right? And then it's always good that we have our own demand side so that um, we can eventually uh we can be the customer of of ourselves so that's, that's why I like, yes yeah it's truly you, you can kind of have the whole supply chain under your own umbrella essentially right like the truly egg to plate experience exactly um what is the restaurant called for maybe there's some london natives listening to the podcast oh, thank you <laughs> um so it's in mayfair it's called the tonari uh, sushi bar tonari 
It's T-O-N-A-R-I. And uh, we have an Instagram and also the Google map uh, is up and running. So please um, search for that. And um, then most of the time I will be in the sushi restaurant. So if you'd like to um, talk to me or see me, I'll be around. So There you go. You can talk res, right? Right exactly, in the thick of it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Um, one of the other things that really captured my attention about Arc Inc. story is the story that you, um, the company has had with the town of Fukushima. So um, listeners might not be familiar with the town, but um, I think it became major news worldwide in 2011 because of the nuclear accident at the town's nuclear power plant. Um, it forced a, a mass evac evacuation of the town. Hundreds of thousands of people had to, had to evacuate. Um, but Arc Inc. came in sort of years later. And yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that, how you got involved? Sure. So the, the product is uh, in collaboration with uh, East Japan Railway. And um, our system, Arc B1, is located inside of the railway station, actually, where the Express to Tokyo stops. So it's... it's um, it's set in the unique location, I would say. Uh, the the reason why we have um considered this as a as a good project for Fukushima is that um you know seafood used to be an important product in Fukushima Namie Station, uh, close to the Namie area. Uh, but uh, you know, um, as you mentioned, that um local fishermen are still suffering. Uh, not actually only because of the nuclear accident, but also from the um, the treated water um, started to um, out to the ocean. And I I know that there shouldn't be um, um, in uh, it shouldn't be a direct effect on the sea life, but also you know the reputation um, gets down so that uh, they've been suffering from all these years that. Um, this whole thing has been affected on the fishermen and the local community. So we have a deep discussion with the railway, uh, Japan railway, and also the um, local authorities and the and the and the people um, in Namie uh, community, and started to think that when we uh, still source good seafood, but stay away from the ocean and leave us as, as it is. But uh, we can still supply good seafood um, to to Tokyo market. Um, so that's why uh, we started to set it up um, in in Fukushima and uh, started our um, POC back in. Uh, so it's been three years now. Okay. Yeah, and and you made a, you alluded to a good point here where um, we want to clarify for our listeners that sort of the aftermath of the nuclear accident just didn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't affecting the seafood industry itself, but it's sort of that that whole accident and those series of current events um, really impacted the town's reputation in terms of it delaying economic recovery and tourism and things like that so um i guess this project with namia station was sort of an effort would you say to kind of help in that effort to kind of bring back some economic stimulus absolutely yes so what has that been like so since you said that the unit was installed three years ago is that right yes uh okay so what has so that been like 
Yes, so we have been testing out uh, the units and then how the market will react. So we are still in the POC because, you know, it's fully um, isolated from our reach. So um, there are still a lot of challenges going on. And uh, we have been testing out uh, shrimps and um, other species too. So still trying to find the, the best match in the in the unit for, for the Fukushima market. But um, it's been exciting, and then um, it seems like a lot we have been getting a lot of um, attention from the community, and and they have uh, the Fukushima government and the Japanese government uh, has um, revitalizing plan for Fukushima, especially in Namie, and it seems to be an aquaculture can be a one good solutions for revitalize the local um, economy, and it seems to be a, a lot. It's it's meaningful. For them, that uh, they have a uh, a good new sort of like method to to have a, a business source in in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Namie Station is that a major station in the town? I wonder how many people kind of pass by this arc unit and kind of see it at work. Yeah. So, um, to be honest, our unit and if you see it outside, you. you you actually don't recognize it is an aquaculture system. So mm, probably people just thinking, exactly. So you just people just passing by without any uh they, they don't reckon that is the, the facility. But um No, actually, uh, yes, I'm looking at a picture of it at Namia Station. Yeah, it's very <laughs> unassuming. It is, yes. So uh but it's a it's a major stop, major station uh for that area. And then um the express to direct express to Tokyo stops there. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we, we've been uh, getting um, a good amount of attention uh, from the people. Have you harvested from that unit? Yes, just a few uh, white leg shrimp last year. And then, okay. uh, we, yes, uh, we served uh, the shrimps to the community and they were happy about it. Oh, wow. Amazing. So that first harvest was last year. And I guess that was when you were able to introduce the the whole system to the community. Yes, it's just it was just a POC, so it, we had the the harvest was small amounts, so we just um it was limited that we can so not to entire the um community, but for the okay. um, yeah, but um hopefully we can serve more um in our upcoming years. Ah, uh, right, and it's currently um is it still white leg shrimp that's being raised in there? Uh, this time it's different. I can't disclose yet, but okay. uh, it's it's going to be changed for this year. Okay, very interesting. We're coming up to the end of our episode here. And I guess my last question for you is, what's what's next for the company? Where do you hope to see the company grow from here? It's still very early stages, but what's next? Yes, thank you. So um, I have uh, touched upon a little bit about IMTA. It's the Integrated Multi-Trophic Aquaculture. I know it's a new thing and it's uh, uh, a a sort of like an academic word that still is but um i think farming combinated species at the same time can be a key for rust uh, uh, i would say uh, and then like seeking out uh that combination is our key growth story so we as a hardware company we will develop a good product and keep updating it, it and also we have a few more hardware uh, systems coming up uh, in the next year uh, that will be uh, all new features and then that 
push our concept of small and decentralized aquaculture, and then this hopefully distributing those to to Japan and also the rest of the world. Also, uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, we have just opened our sushi bar in Mayfair, London, and then hopefully we can sort of like conclude the whole supply chain by ourselves. Also, it doesn't always it doesn't mean that we are closing our ecosystem. We have um open community, open ecosystem policy, uh in a country in in a company. But it's always good to have our own supply chain, even if it's tiny. But it's always good that we have our our own supply chain from the from up to the bottom. So the sushi bar is really the the part of the the ending of the supply chain, and then um. We are planning out a few more things that build up our own supply chain. So those are the new things that we are really focusing on the IMTA and the、uh, the small stream of our own supply chain will be will be nice. So we are really focusing on for them for the next、uh, um, few few years. That sounds great. Um, I'm really excited to see where this company will go and where. The different evolutions that this technology can take with Arc V1, I am interested to see what you know Arc V2 and three and four will look like, and how、um, customers out there will choose to apply this technology. So, I, I hope we can invite you again. That's something that I've been personally thinking about as well.、Um, Please as, do. In in terms of、uh, you know inviting back our guests and figure and kind of talking about where they've grown from there. So. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to Arc Inc. And we hope to have a follow up soon. Thank you very much. All right, and thanks for you for tuning into this episode. I hope you found it as fascinating as I did. In this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about these RAS projects that are thousands of metric tons of production capacity, and it was really interesting to kind of zoom in on this type of scale, a micro scale. And it was great to have Yusuke on the podcast and talk about all of those details. I hope I did that section justice.、Um, I'm definitely missing Brian during this episode because I would be so interested in what he thought about this particular system. As I mentioned at near the end there, I'm also interested in what you think of past guest episodes that we could revisit and talk about where they are now or what where these projects are now.、Uh, we've talked about so many different. Projects, but we've never really revisited anybody. We've never really gotten an update. So, if you have any particular guests that you'd like us to invite back and talk about how their project has changed or how their project has evolved, please let me know. And of course, extra links to articles, photos, videos, and other media related to this episode and all our episodes are available on our website at rastechmagazine.com/podcast. R A S T E C H Magazine dot com slash podcast. My contact information will be also available there. I'd love to get your feedback on future episodes. Please consider sharing this podcast with your network and on social media, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a new episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Oxyguard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. <music>